0: Welcome to Iridescence, I'm Jeremy and for the next couple of episodes, rather than reviewing other films, we'll be going behind the scenes of my own short film. For today's episode, I will be the host and we'll be discussing storytelling as a mechanism for change. Let's get into it. Okay, yeah, so to start off the conversation. I'd like both of you guys to introduce yourself, say your role on Iridescence, as well as an interesting fact about yourself. So April, why don't you
1: start?
2: Hi, my name is April. Um, I will be the assistant editor in Iridescence. And my interesting fact about myself is that my name is April, and I was born in April.
1: (laughs) The stars align. (laughs) And Patrick. Hi, my name is Patrick. I'm playing Christian in Iridescence and originally I was going to say that my interesting fact is that I'm into gardening but (laughs) after hearing April say that she was born in (laughs) April I was also born in April. The first question that I wanted to ask how can storytelling be a mechanism for
0: change?
2: I think storytelling is one of the best mechanisms for change like genuinely I think a lot of times People's ignorance can be the biggest cause of their like discriminatory beliefs or like just lack of understanding about cultures and people that causes them to stereotype them a certain way. And I think lack of representation is a really big problem. And media like controls so much of the world's image on groups of people. So when you're consistently getting, a certain bad type of representation for like your group of people world sees you that way and I think one of the biggest ways to break out of that is craft your own image of yourself in media differently
1: yeah that that makes a lot of sense Patrick what do you think yeah, I mean, I think I would totally agree with April. In In class, we learned about sociocultural communication theory. And like, I didn't really grasp all of it. But like, from what I did grasp is like, what is communicated essentially, like becomes a reality. And I think that's true. Because if you look at like, I don't know, like mass media or something, like what is communicated there influences like social discourse, which ultimately influences the way that like, people move about society and, and the way that people move about society, you know, affects like hierarchies and and all of these things like that. And it also influences things that are like legislation and very concrete things that very concretely affect reality. And I also think that this is like not a new phenomenon. Like if you go back, like, essentially to like the dawn of like humanity, like everything is story, like religion is story. And like science and stuff is like story if you break it down. Mm. And these are things that have like so like I said before, like so concretely, like impacted the world and impacted the way that we leave it lead our lives. So I definitely think that like story, like because stories so profoundly affect us, like stories can definitely be like a conduit for change and things like that.
0: Yeah, that was really profound. I think to bounce off what you said, you talked about how like the right stories could introduce legislation and actually like have influence in the political sphere. I'm wondering if you guys have seen good stories that you think had a profound social impact
1: on like conversation and just society and culture? Um, Well, the first thing that comes to my mind is kind of like the opposite of what happened. So like in the late like 20th century in Mm. in France, there's a lot of negative media coverage around the Parisian suburbs, which were areas of like economic disfra- like disenfranchisement and things like that but because the media framed it in such a way that like they were like, oh, these areas are like dangerous. And like, there's a lot of criminals around there. That led to like society kind of like becoming like afraid of those areas, thus leading to more like disenfranchisement because like businesses and stuff would like pull out of those areas, which would kind of augment crime and, and policing and things like that. And then that kind of just legitimized certain politicians agendas to like further, you know, like criminalize and oppress those areas. So, like, now, like, because of, like, the the media coverage in, like, the 90s and stuff, like, the Parisian Bonneux are, like, very, like, there's, like, low education rates, like, high poverty rates and things like that. So that's kind of the flip side of the question yeah. that we just asked. But yeah. I certainly think because that power is there, that power can still be used for, like, beneficial things. April, what about you? Yeah. I mean, I
2: was thinking about it, and I was thinking about how, like, a lot of times, at least in films, film reflects life um, after the first black lives mom the first but the mm-hmm. first wave of the black lives matter movement and gosh i don't remember what year like 2014 or 10 i don't remember but we have like a lot more like books and films and things in pop media for like pop culture to reflect, like that but then when we actually think about storytelling, this is what I was like thinking so much about is it's not just about fiction, right? It's not just about things that reflect made up stories for you know social change, but documentaries and stuff like that that really make a big impact on people. Like that right. storytelling as well, telling real people's stories. And also if you think about like the Free Brittany movement and mm-hmm. everything like that, obviously that you know a big mm-hmm. part of it is also sparked by documentaries. And I think that like it's essential and in getting the people's story out there. And if you really think about it, like journalism is also storytelling, yeah. like any sort of news coverage on situations, like we're surrounded by storytelling that inspires all of the change around us. Mm-hmm.
0: I guess the next question that I want to ask, to give like context mm-hmm. to this question, for example, if I have my chronology correct, it was, like, the the day after Chloe Zhao, like, won all these awards in the award circuit, then this shooting that happened in Atlanta that was targeting, like, Asian spa salon workers. So there was, like, this disconnect in that in the Asian community, we were able to, like, win this huge accolade uh and push the boundaries of storytelling for our community and then in the in the world you know this really traumatic thing happened and i think it made me think about stories could be really profound but then at the same time there's that barrier of entry where maybe the people who need to see these stories aren't watched. do you think stories need to have mainstream appeal to evoke change if so how do you get there
2: This is something I genuinely think about a lot and it's like a really fine line that we have to tread and it kind of sucks that we have to think about this in so much detail because you kind of just want to tell great stories for the sake of telling great stories but I think one of the reasons that I really care about telling Asian stories and and using storytelling as a mechanism for um, changing people's lives let's say is because I when I grew up I felt very underrepresented Mm. and part of my purposes you know as you might say (laughs) for going into this um, as a storyteller is so that i can tell the stories that i wish i could have seen when i was younger Mm. so i'd say although i am very much treating the stories i write and hoping that they'll you know reach bigots and racists and they'll be like wow that's so great i won't be racist against asians anymore in reality i'm writing them for asians And especially for young Asian girls who have not seen themselves
1: Mm.
2: ever as like the protagonist on, on, on a big screen and so that they can experience what that feels like and so that they can learn to love themselves. Because I think as much as the world already hates you, it sucks even more when you hate yourself and you hate your own race. So I really Mm -hmm. wanna like, I guess, tackle the root of racism by dealing with internalized racism within the Asian community first. Cause I think, Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. you know, only when you really love yourself can you then push for other people to love you too.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think I would agree with April as well. I mean, I think that it's like a huge thing to think about like how to disseminate a story and its message to the entirety of like society. But I think that even if a story just reaches like one demographic or just like one person and that like evokes some like reflection or empowerment or some sort of like or just like it just evokes like something within that person like then the story has done its job and it's valid in that way as well like I don't know I think it's like hard to imagine a world of like perfectly like democratized storytelling, in which everyone has access to mm-hmm. like these great themes and messages and things like that. But mm-hmm. even if we never like reach that reality, and even if we just kind of like stay in this sort of situation that we are in now, in which I think like to be frank, like not everyone has access to like these great movies. Like art is largely gatekept, especially now in streaming. There's like so many different streaming services mm-hmm. that like gatekeep each of their films and like. Right. And like going to movies is so expensive but even now if like we continue on that model which i don't necessarily necessarily support but even if that's the case hopefully it'll still like reach some people and change and 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 inspire change in their own lives then maybe that'll kind of like snowball into change somewhere else or something like that
0: yeah in theory we would want everyone to be watching this, but in actuality, there's a lot of gatekeepers and barriers to prevent that. Yeah, so I just wanted to get more into questions specifically tailored to you guys. So I'll start off with Patrick. So this question is really inspired by like one of my favorite Pixar films, Coco, where they talk about this idea of you have multiple deaths. Your first death is like your physical death. And then like the second one is when The last person on earth remembers your name. That's pretty philosophical or a kid's movie, but yeah, it made me think of the spotlight that you talked about in our Instagram for the film, where you articulated how the idea of impermanence permeates deep into the history of your family. And I was just wondering in relation to stories, do you think it's possible to create a story that stands the test
1: of time and why or why not? I don't think anything can stand the test of time. I think that's just the nature of reality and of life. I think nothing is permanent. Everything is everything either transforms or like dies and disappears. Mm -hmm. And I guess dying and disappearing is one way of transforming. So I Mm -hmm. guess, like on like a blanket statement, like, no, like I don't think a story can. Mm -hmm. But I mean, like, I guess if we were to examine it more closely and we look at like a smaller fragment of existence, <laughs> I think it just depends on the type of story. And I think that there are, there are certain themes that resonate with society that will continue to resonate with society essentially until like the end of humanity just because I think there's, like, something about that, like, theme that just speaks to human existence, like, like, themes about, like, love, um, whether it be romantic or platonic yeah. or familial or something like that, like, those types of stories have always been told, like, forever and ever and ever. And I think they will be continued to, to be told. So I, I do believe, like, stories like that will, will continue to be, like, shared, at least on a more, I guess, on, like, a smaller level. I guess if I were to step back and look at, like, the rest of, like, time, like, mm-hmm. nothing is going to last forever. But, yeah, yes. I guess that's my answer.
0: <laughs> I guess that kind of relates to, uh, I forgot what your short was called. That was, like, the, the last day of the world, and then you did it for LCC. Do you know what I'm talking about? You wrote that script, and then you sent me oh. it. Oh. <laughs> yeah, like, how, yeah. Does, how does that fragility of human existence and fleeting ephemeral quality of storytelling, like, how does that
1: make you feel, and how does that affect the way you tell
0: your stories.
1: Yeah, I mean, on one hand, it's like kind of sad because like what you have now is going to go away. And if you're like attached to what you have now, then like Mm. it's like, what's the point of being attached? Because you're going to lose it, you know? So it's Mm. like kind of throws your head through a loop in in, in that sort of way. But it also is kind of, I don't know, like liberating Mm. because if you don't know what's going to be in the future and if like you could lose what you have now, then there's also just so much more room for like growth and exploration because you'll never just Mm. be confined to like one space or one thing right yeah I mean I think it definitely affects the content that I write about and the content that I'm drawn to just because it's like something that I think about a lot especially now at this time in my life and where I'm like at the cusp of like adulthood and like leaving behind like like adolescence and things like that, there's a whole lot of transformation that's happening. There's a whole lot of impermanence that's happening. So it's definitely a theme that I'm, that's like always in my mind. And I Mm -hmm. guess that seeps into the work that I write. And it's also kind of like cool in a way to think about it. Cause it's like, okay, you could like write something horrible, but at the end of the day, like it won't really matter because Mm. one day, like the file on your um, computer just going to be lost forever. And the people who saw your work will die (laughs) and like, it won't matter anymore so it's kind of liberating because i can just like write what i want and not necessarily care about the implications because <clears> in like the long term like there won't really be any implications right yeah so that's i guess it's kind of like nihilist and, and yeah a dark way to think about it but
0: but it's like you're finding purpose in the nihilism it's like it's like almost like because life has no purpose that gives me purpose but um... a little bit yeah <laughs> yeah so that was really profound for our listeners now we know the meaning of life (laughs) now on to april i had the absolute pleasure of watching your youtube video about you getting into afi yeah
2: promotion (laughs) yeah (laughs)
0: definitely check out her youtube plug it april what's your what's your youtube channel
2: oh it's just called april xiao (laughs) xiao
0: yeah and in that video not gonna lie, I got like emotional seeing how really? emotional you were Aww. about, like, you know, that journey that you've been going on of self discovery, of wanting to be a filmmaker. About how I think it was your 14 year old self.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I wanted Thank to you. be a
0: filmmaker, <laughs> but then like you slowly fell away from that dream for varying reasons, studied deals that you aren't necessarily passionate about. And it wasn't until you came to UCLA in study abroad where you really reignited that passion to pursue that dream and then not let yourself down. So I'm wondering how your perception of storytelling has changed from your 14-year-old self.
2: Yeah, I do just want to say one thing though. Um I studied physics and philosophy. Oh, I just graduated. But I don't think it's fair to say that I'm not passionate about it. It's just that like, I sort of, I don't know, I saw myself to fit into this box that Mm. was very different from what I could actually be Mm. um but yeah I just wanted to clarify that because I actually do think my degree is pretty cool Mm. but not as cool (laughs) as screenwriting um yeah so how my perception of storytelling has changed well when I was younger it was just fun you know it was like what I used to escape like reading lots of books or watching films or watching tv and just like making up stories like make-believe with my friends or like Mm. writing stories it was very much just like self-indulgent and genuinely you know after coming to UCLA I realized that like like I briefly touched on earlier found a lot of purpose in storytelling that I didn't necessarily have before like before I sort of indulged in it as um as a hobby you know that's great you know it's like fun something I enjoy but then I saw like I saw humanity without sounding too pretentious I sort of saw humanity's purpose as trying to understand the world that we live in so then um, I decided to pursue physics and philosophy to understand that and now I realized that actually particularly my own sense of purpose is to help people love themselves. love that. I really I'm sorry I feel like I sound really pompous right now but yeah like genuinely I do mean it like Mm. when you grow up not seeing yourself or Mm. seeing yourself in a very restrictive way Mm. it sometimes takes a film or a story or someone who looks like you to do something that you've always wanted to do for you to be liberated in that way and I just like you know it's not just about being Asian and being a woman I feel like that's the case for a lot of people who lack privilege in many ways in society and I want to start a production company in the future which tells stories for the marginalized I'll say that now, so maybe it'll manifest into reality and then someone can hear this and fund me or something. But (laughs) I think it would would be really cool. And I want to give people the opportunity to share their stories for Mm -hmm. their specific, like, underrepresented community. Mm -hmm. I think that that would do a lot of good. You know, to sum up, to answer your question, my view on storytelling has changed because now I see it as my life's purpose and I see Mm -hmm. it as something to help people with.
0: And in, in terms of, like, that mission, to help people love themselves, that was definitely shown. I saw, like, your short of, like, you'll find love when you stop looking. Like, I felt good about myself. Yeah. That, yeah so <laughs> oh, thank re- you. Yeah, I'm so really glad. Um, April, you briefly touched about this, but I just wanted to ask both of you guys, like, long term, like, what are the spaces that you want to be in in terms of, do you want to be mainstream or work more on indie projects? Do you want to be like in the drama space or more like comedy? What do you want to be more in the entertaining audiences space or like educating them? What is your goals?
2: I want to do everything at some point but predominantly right now my biggest goals are to do comedy writing it just seems like the dream job I just want to be in a writer's room of sitcom I think that would be so much fun that aside I want to do drama um I do want to tell stories that maybe like our big budget Hollywood might not be as keen to take a risk on because I want to work with people who are really passionate about those stories as well and I just don't really see a place for stories like that in the moment in the current although things are changing so i don't want to be too like you know close-minded about it
1: yeah i mean for me i am really open to like everything and anything i love mindy kaling i love how she has such creative control over her projects by writing producing and sometimes even starting them herself. And i think that's really cool and I, I think that's like a professional and creative aspiration of mine as well I think ultimately what it comes down to is I hope to always just, like, it's a like cliche, but, like, like listen to my heart or whatever. <laughs> just, like, go with, like, where I'm, like, most, like, passionate about and, like, do what I'm most excited about. Yeah, I guess I also kind of live my life, like, kind of, like, following that, like, inner kid of mine. And I always mm-hmm. just hope to be, like, um, fulfilling those kind of like or just like a feeling like the aspirations of like that sort of aspect of myself as well because i i do feel like that like inner kid is like the part of me that's like the most authentic of myself so like whatever i do i just hope to be authentic
0: i think that's something that we can all learn from which is like i mean it's just it's a super cliche line in iridescence but it's like be yourself everyone else is taking you know tying it into the film i'm wondering what drew you guys to this project other than obviously we reached out to you but like you know you could have said no because like maybe the project doesn't align with your creative goals or yeah so i'm wondering what about iridescence resonates with you
1: i definitely like enjoyed reading the you know the story based around like an asian american kid who's struggling with like familial acceptance and also like mental health issues and things like that. So there was a lot of, I guess, different sorts of like nuance in this sphere of like Asian American representation. It just kind of, it felt human in a way that some stories about like immigrant households aren't necessarily. Yeah, I mean, I just, I also know you as like a person, as like a writer. And I know like when you're passionate about things, like there's usually a reason for it. So I was like, sure, let me go do this because I trust Jeremy and I trust his vision. So yeah, also I guess like the role is like challenging in a way that's like kind of scary. And I've also learned that when I am slightly scared, it's probably for the best because that means Mm -hmm. I can grow from things, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know like a lot of
0: actors have that mindset of like choose that role that scares you the most because that's where you have the most opportunity for growth yeah so april what was the draw yeah
2: for you? i mean obviously the fact that you're telling asian stories everything that patrick said i completely agree with it's something that i try to do in my eyes to really at least at this point in my career really focus on asian stories at the moment because i feel like i've had like 22 years of a silence of, of lacking yeah. of it. So yeah. as much as I can get out at this yeah. stage, is all I want to work on. But also, I really love the way that you treat the people you're working with. Like the fact that you're doing this, like you're giving respect to us, and knows that everyone on the cast and crew has their own stories as well and their own like journeys and perspectives to share. I respect that a lot, and I genuinely really liked talking to you and seeing how passionate you were about this project and yeah I feel like when people are on the team that care for it so much like it's going to resonate
0: that was definitely something that I was trying to convey with the entire team and I hope to on said day as well which is that like this is way bigger than me and everyone deserves to and should like have you know their imprint on this final product because it's not my film it's ours. this is like off topic but i forgot to ask april this question which is you mentioned that you are really interested and passionate about physics and philosophy just not to the extent of screenwriting i'm wondering how philosophy and physics has influenced your storytelling
2: Ooh um I think physics has yet to influence my storytelling I'm not gonna lie I'm not gonna bullshit some way to <laughs> mix the two together but it has not okay. um philosophy definitely I was just uh, telling my friends this the other day but you know what writing screenwriting is sort of like writing a philosophy essay in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. because you have a theme like a Mm -hmm. like a um a title i guess that you're exploring and you set that up like in the opening and then throughout Mm -hmm. the essay or the film you challenge that theme Mm -hmm. And then right at the end, you draw like a conclusion about that theme with regard Mm -hmm. to like the characters and their like mindset and things. And I think it's really cool because it's it's a skill that I've used a lot in philosophy where you like, you know, have like a like a premise or a thesis and you take it to its absolute limits. Yeah. Um. like challenge it in every single possible way and then yeah. see like what the conclusion is and mm. also what I'm thinking is that like you know when I run out of like actual life experiences and stories to write films about I'm just gonna mm. write films about philosophy the way that Charlie Kaufman does so mm. <laughs> well, we'll see
0: <laughs> yeah his films are one of a kind for sure kind of similar, yeah. like, similar to Wes Anderson like you just know that it's, yeah. it's a Charlie Kaufman film yeah um, <laughs> And then for Patrick, you are like an incredible writer, obviously, um, with like a forest on fire and, um, and there's like other things that you've written. So I'm wondering why you wanted to pursue a career like in front of the camera when you have so much ability behind the camera to write stories.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I um, ultimately um, don't, want to like choose one over the other i think that i get fulfillment from both sides what i love about like perform like i've always been a performer i was like i was like a theater kid like growing up and stuff like that i don't know i just love the fact that in performance like you just like very directly tap into like all of the like minutiae of like what makes someone human because like you're building a human in order to do that you have to like understand like what is a human like what is humanity and things like that and you have to be very empathetic and i think all of those aspects that i just mentioned are things that you don't necessarily get out of everyday life because in life it's just like you have to like exist but in order to exist you kind of gotta like shut down and like focus on yourself and like take the time to like think about like any like deeper or, or larger things outside of just like what you're doing And I I guess I just enjoy that that aspect of building a character and performing a character because it allows me to feel more, I guess, like in touch with like, just like the human experience, I guess. I also like don't entirely know what I'm saying, and this is why I'm using all these like big, like grandiose like words and ideas, but hopefully... The, no, the main I main actually movie. I yeah, completely
2: yeah. agree with you. Yeah. I actually think that's so cool because I think like a big part of filmmaking is understanding humanity and how like people work. And I, I guess a big part of acting is like figuring out what makes people tick. And I think that's mm-hmm. so cool that you said that.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I mean I'm glad that I was eloquent enough to have something <laughs> yeah, yeah, to that's understand. That's good. <laughs> I also think a part of myself is just like narcissistic and I'm like <laughs> I wanna be in front of the camera. Everyone look at me. <laughs> um <laughs> but that's that on that. Mm-hmm. (laughs) yeah that's also interesting
0: because you've like mentioned you don't want to be perceived on set so it's like it's like that duality of you want everyone to watch you but also you don't want people to perceive you Um, yeah (laughs) yeah and then I think I've experienced this through you where you were like from analyzing Christian and asking questions about him you you see me differently now since I'm since Christian's based off me you know (laughs) Yeah. the final thing is just like was there like topic I missed that you guys want to talk about or maybe a question that I didn't ask that you would have wanted to like say an answer to
1: I was I'm curious to know like what your perspectives are on like this like theme that we've been talking about about like the power Uh, of storytelling and things like that because like you're so passionate especially about this project so I'm just (laughs) interested in hearing about like what your thoughts are on like storytelling's power and, and how it's kind of impacted your life wow when the interviewer becomes
0: the interview um, <laughs> storytelling
1: could be such a
0: mechanism for change and social impact if done right like if we don't have it as an aside you know sometimes you see in movies with queer baiting the reason why that happens is it's like not clear their intentions but like if you use start from the beginning, like with this film, I'm like, this is about mental health. This is about amplifying the voices of underrepresented communities. Then that's when storytelling could really be impactful. So that's why I like made a promo video to go with this film so that it's really clear why I'm making it. And I think that was a big reason why we were able to raise the money that we needed to make this film. And also, that's how I was able to get so many people who want to work on this, you know, because I'm just really like putting the theme, the message, and the mechanism for change first and foremost, as the primary reason why I wanted to make this. That's also a huge reason why I wanted to do these podcasts and why I made the website, which is something that I talk about with Ray Lane in our Iridescence podcast when we review films, is films are almost like the book cover there's so much more that you could learn once you open the book so the movies and shows are just like the entry point and hopefully that gets you interested enough to explore and read the rest of the book because movies there's no way they could tell like everything that you can learn about a certain topic you know judas and the black messiah while they did get Fred Hampton's family's blessings to make that film and they did convey it in a pretty authentic way. Like that still just touches the surface of Fred Hampton's life of the Black Panther Party and its mission. But hopefully what happens is people watch that movie and then they become interested in the Black Panther Party and their mission and then they themselves go out of their way to like Google resources, read books and stuff like that. So Hopefully with iridescence, I'm hoping that it could just destigmatize mental health. People that watch it are more willing to talk with their friends and family and seek resources, talk to therapists and stuff like that. This film was very cathartic for me in that actually when I wrote the final draft, I did a table read with my family. It was so funny. Like every line, my mom or dad would be like, Hey, that's us. We're like, hey, that's you. And my brother's like, that's the point. Like, stop, stop cutting in, you know? And then at the end of script, true to the character of Arnold, my dad couldn't tell me in person in the Zoom call, but he sent me this long text about how, like, he doesn't convey his love language the best, and he could be hard on me sometimes, but he does really care about me, you know? Hopefully that could be something that happens. For other families, that opens the conversation. Maybe, you know, there's that stoic reserved father who watches this with his family and then that starts a conversation. So that's really my goal with this project. Obviously, we're submitting it to film festivals and the dream is like, It wins can (laughs) and like Patrick gets to like fulfill his dreams speak uh speak French there but like that's like a secondary goal the primary goal is just to start conversations around mental health and the seemingly sometimes restricting culture that we have of like communicating our love through words but through action yeah that was a huge rant but that's why I think storytelling could be a mechanism for change and that's why it resonates so much with me.
1: Yeah, no, I thought I was I love that. I love the story about your dad. I thought that was so great. Yes, thank you so much for sharing. That
0: concludes our podcast on storytelling as a mechanism for change. If you have any friends you think would like the podcast, share it with them. If you're interested in learning more about our work, please listen to our other podcasts on Spotify and follow our social media account at Iridescence Podcasts. Tune in next time when we'll be discussing mental health allyship. Thank you for listening.